Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. 30 years before the Declaration of Independence, the French and British were at war in the new colonies of America. It escalated to the point that the French raised a fleet of ships and resolved to make a conquest of Nova Scotia and then lay waste the whole seacoast of the colonies from Nova Scotia to Georgia. The fleet raised was comprised of 70 ships more than 8,000 troops. It was under the command of Duke de Anville. Papers were found with de Anville's orders instructing him to take Cape Breton Island, then proceed to Boston, Massachusetts, and lay that town in ashes and destroy all that he could upon the coast of North America. When news reached America that the fleet was on its way, it brought great fear to the colonists. They prepared with what little they had to defend themselves that they knew they were totally outnumbered. The British attempted to send a fleet to defend its colonies, but fierce winds kept the fleet from sailing. The fleet never left England. Governor Shirley of Massachusetts proclaimed a day of fasting and prayer that God would deliver them from their enemy. Everywhere, people went to their churches to pray. The day was October 16, 1746. Hundreds from Boston gathered at the Old South Meeting House to pray. The day was clear, it was calm, and it was sunny. The Reverend Thomas Prince led the congregation in prayer. And as the historian Catherine Drinker Ballin relates, Deliver us from our enemy, the minister implored. Send thy tempest, Lord, upon the waters to the eastward. Raise thy right hand. Scatter the ships of our tormentors and drive them hence. Sink their proud frigates beneath the power of thy winds. He had scarcely pronounced the words when the sun disappeared and the morning darkened. All the church was in a shadow. A wind shrieked around the walls, sudden, violent, hammering at the windows with a giant hand. No man was in the steeple, and afterwards the sexton swore to it, yet the great bell struck twice, a wild, uneven sound. Thomas Prince paused in his prayer, both arms raised. We hear thy voice, O Lord. He thundered triumphantly. We hear it. Thy breath is upon the waters to the eastward, even upon the deep. Thy bell tolls for the death of our enemies. And he bowed his head. When he raised up his head and he looked up again, tears were streaming down his eyes. And he said, Thine be the glory, Lord. Thine be the glory. Do you hear that? 
Thine be the glory. Now, does God answer prayer? Did God hear the prayer of Boston? What happened to the French fleet? Well, the 70 ships and the 8,000 men? Through a series of storms, first two of the largest French frigates sunk. Then the whole fleet was nearly lost in another storm. The men were dying of a fever. Out of the more than 8,000, 2,000 dead. 4,000 sick. And the Admiral, the Duke Anville, was dead. Rumor had it he committed suicide by poisoning. The Vice Admiral killed himself by thrusting his sword through his heart. And what little remnant of that fleet that was left went back home to France. The colonists fell on their knees, thanking God. A day of thanksgiving and prayer was proclaimed. Many compared it to Pharaoh's hosts overwhelmed in the Red Sea. And Governor Shirley, when he spoke later to the Massachusetts legislature, said, Never had there been so direct an interference of providence of God. The Lord caused the wind to blow, and our enemies were scattered. America, can you remember your past? I have a great song here, I Have Returned, by Terry Brown. Let it minister to you why it plays. I have returned to the God of my childhood, to the same simple faith as a child I once knew, like the prodigal son, I belong for my loved ones, for the comforts of home. And the God I outgrew I have returned To the God of my childhood Bethlehem's faith The prophet's Messiah He's Jesus to me The Lord for eternity unfailing faith for the child of her heart she said bring them up in the way that you want them thank God when they're grown they'll never depart I have returned to the God of my Turn 
turned to the God of my father, the most godlike man a child could know. I just heard a shout from the angels in glory, praising the Lord, a child has come like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. I'd like to talk a little bit today. I'm going to bring up something about the resurrection that I want us to consider. In 1 Corinthians 15, it gives you the definition of the gospel. And it's verse 3, that Jesus died according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised again according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. And as Romans 1.16 says, that's where the power of God is. Now let's take a look. I'm going to begin today in Luke 23. And I'm going to start in verse 50. It says, and behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same did not consent to the council indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went into Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Jesus is now dead. He has died on the cross. And he took it down 
and he wrapped it in linen and he laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone where never a man before was laid. Took the dead body of Jesus, the dead body of Jesus, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone wherein never a man before was laid. Have you ever seen a dead body? And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So now we have a dead body in a tomb. Now what is on that dead body? What is on that dead body that just died on the cross? I want us to go to 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self, and this is talking about Jesus, and this is Peter talking about Jesus. Peter witnessed all of this. He said, who his own self, Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. The word I want you to see here is our, our, who his own self bore our sins, our sins, not a representation of sin, not an image of sin, not a symbol of sin. The word is our. If you look that word up, it means our, it means we, it means us. He bore our sins. Not, not like I said, a representation of all sin. He bore our sins. You know what that means? He bore your sin. So in that sepulcher, on that dead body was your sin. Your sin. My sin. Let's take another look. Let's go to Isaiah 53. I want you to see that it was your sin on him. Not just, you know, sin. Not, not, a, not a, a word that means nothing. It means your sin. Your sin on him. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has bore our griefs. That's our pains, our sickness. Our sickness and carried our sorrows our pain. That cancer you have, that's on that body. Your cancer on that body in the tomb. Your disease on that body in the tomb. That pain, that neuralgia you have is on that body in the tomb. And then carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, ours, yours and mine, ours. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Our sins, our sins. Remember that thing you did that you wish you hadn't have done? It's on that body in the tomb. It was on that body in the tomb. And God is speaking to somebody here. There is someone, or maybe more than one, 
that you very much regret something that you have said. It was on that body on the tree, and now it's on that body in the tomb. That thing that you regret was placed on that body, not just regret as a, as a whole term, but your regret was on that body, and now it's on that body in the tomb. Your regret, your addiction that you can't seem to overcome is on that body in the tomb. Your desires that you can't put away is on that body in the tomb. And it's being paid for by the soul of that body in hell. In hell, it paid for our sin, our sickness, our disease. And as this says, our prosperity, our peace, our welfare was on that body. You can't seem to hold a job. Well, that was on that body in the tomb and being paid for in hell. You can't find a job. That was on that body in that tomb for you, for you. Now, let's go to Ephesians 5, 2. It says, be you therefore followers of God as dear children. Did you know you could be a child of God? And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And look, has given himself for us. Goes right along with our has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Jesus gave himself for us to do what? To take our sin, to take our sickness, to take our poverty, to take any addiction, any desire, any lust, anything that hinders us from obeying God is on that body in the tomb. And Jesus did it willfully, happily. Now, what does God think of our sin and our sickness and our disease and our poverty and every regret that is on that body in the tomb? What does the father think of it? What does he think of it? Turn to Acts 17. And I'm going to read, uh, let's begin at verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's hands. In the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commendeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, by that man, Jesus, whom he ordained, whereof he has given assurance. Look at that word. Amen. He has given assurance unto all men. Given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead in that he raised him from the dead. What did God think of that offering of Jesus? He said, I'm satisfied. He said, it's enough. And he raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. He raised 
Jesus from the dead. And you know what that does for us? It gives us total assurance of what God thought of that offering that had our sin on it, that had our sickness on it, that had our regrets on it. What did the Father think of it? He raised Jesus from the dead. That is your assurance, your assurance that your sins are forgiven because he raised him from the dead from your sin. That is your assurance that your healing will manifest because he raised Jesus from the dead who had your sickness on him. That regret, gone, justified, because God gave you the assurance that it was justified when he raised Jesus from the dead. Our assurance, our assurance, there is nothing left to do but thank God, glorify it, and walk in it. Amen. I have a great song for this. And you can do this while the song is playing. Rise and be healed by the water of life, boys. You know why you can do that? Because you've been given the assurance that you were healed and that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Rise in your heart, rise. 
a ruler of the Jews, you must be born again. Jesus said that. You must be born again. That is the only way to eternal life. Now, how do you get it? If you go to Romans 10, verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You'll be born again. You will begin your journey to become a child of God. Do you know that that word saved means anything that you need? If you need healing to be healed, that is being saved. If you need a job and you find that job, God brings you that job, that is salvation. Trust me, I know. If you need money and God brings you that money, that is salvation. That is being saved in that situation. Now, where do you meet God? Where do you meet God? You might say, I have no church around me. Well, you know where I met God? A lot of times I met God on the top of a doghouse. We had a, a small doghouse, about four by four, and it was about four, four feet off the ground. It had a little sloped roof on it, and I would sit on that doghouse, and my legs would dangle out the back because I, I was a short little kid, and I would talk to God looking out over a, a field. And you know what? God would talk back. He was happy. He was delighted when I would come and talk to him. Those were special times between the father and I on top of that doghouse. And we talked about a lot. The first thing I did was I thanked him for everything I could think of. I would thank God for where I lived, for the food I ate, for anything I could think of, I would thank him for. You know what else I ended up thanking him for? That Jesus died for me, that he was buried for me, and that he was raised again for me. And you know what? God met me. God met me on top of that doghouse. God met me in the woods in Pennsylvania. God met me in, among the pine trees in Pennsylvania. God would meet me anywhere I was to talk to him. He made the world. The world is his. He can meet you wherever you are at. There is no special place to go meet God. You know why? Because he's in here. When you were born again, the Spirit of Jesus is inside of you, and the Father is there, and the Father and Jesus are inside you. Well, if they're inside you, there is no place you have to go to talk to them. They are right there. Go to the Father. Go to the Father in Jesus' name. Worship Him. Thank Him. Tell Him that He raised Jesus from the dead for you, and you know what will happen? He will meet you and he will supply anything you need. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church. She'd love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at kathydavidsonwol.com. That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwl.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.